It's so good to be with you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Connecting Conversations with me, Carla, your host, one of the founding members of Cohesia Connect. I am so pleased and delighted to be sharing our platform today with the one and only Barnaby Winter, the founder of the Brand Bucket Company and Marketing Agency. Barnaby, it's been so good to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. And also, obviously, we're, we're a diversity, equity and inclusion platform, but really we're here about amplifying people's stories. And your story is one that I think is absolutely of note. So let, let, let me allow you to do the introductions a lot better than I can. Uh, Carla, fantastic to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, where do I go? You know, I'm old, so I can go back quite some distance. I did uh, psychology as a degree. I then uh, failed to... Uh, get my application in time for postgraduate qualification, which I latterly got in uh, advertising and in marketing. So I went to Australia, rode around that on a motorbike, came back, went in, did the uh, did the uh, uh, postgraduate, and then went into the advertising industry, as was the trendy thing to do at that time. And uh, had an accelerated career in the, in the first eight years and then ended up becoming the youngest MD of a top 200 uh, integrated advertising agency in, uh, in 1999. Uh, in the words of Remington Steele, which won't mean anything to anybody on this podcast, uh, I like the company so much I ended up buying it uh, in 2001, uh, just uh, in June, just prior to September the 11th. Uh, the outcome of that was we had big American clients. We had uh, launched eTrade, the world's largest online broker, um, and, and I've blighted your life with Red Stripe Lager and Ford Sierra and Classic FM and all these these boots opticians and Argos. and They're all brands that I brought to market over the years. But wow. you had a big American client base, which, of course, just stopped spending post-September the 11th uh, mm. when, when people, unfortunately, flew airplanes into, uh, into buildings. So we then, as a team of, of 35 of us, decided to reconfigure the way marketing was delivered to the then client base in 2002. And we embarked on a six-month journey to reconfigure everything and really understood. And we had 35 of us working on it. And anyway, that job was completed, Carla, seven years later in 2008, 2009, by which time I'd become a professional speaker. I'd uh, written my first book. And one of the big conclusions of that was you didn't need a fancy six-floor building in central Clerkenwell with 35 staff in it. Actually, you could move everything to the internet so we, yeah. we spent a year moving everything to the cloud and then in in uh 2010 i started the brand bucket company um which services clients using an entirely outsourced model so i i provide a full service across the piece for clients leading the strategy leading all the, the creative briefing work but then that's all executed by people external to this organization um, that was 12 years ago. I'm still doing that today. Today, I am a mentor to 17 business leaders. I sit on the board as, as non-exec director on four businesses. I handle probably five or six corporates a year in terms of enabling them to completely become brand-led. And um, I spend 25% of my time on pro bono work. Wow. Um, um, now, that pro bono work is, is, is probably why we're speaking right now, because... Um, I'm doing a number of projects. Uh, I'm a founder freeman of the Company of Entrepreneurs, which is a, uh, a livery movement in, in, the, in the city. Um, that's all very pomp and ceremony. 
um, and then I'm I'm been raising money to build a school in Uganda for for uh, young young students to to get to school because there's a, there's still a problem there, mm. and then um, probably the most interesting of all, uh, just over a year ago in December 21, I helped co-found a charity specifically for uh, black business owners with mental health challenges. So. Uh, I mean, that was a resume like I have not heard in a very long time, Barnaby. That's an incredible sense of just achievement and accomplishment. I, I, I can't even imagine how that has coloured your life experiences. You've seen so many things, met so many people. And and I think my question, and I love that you raised that your last kind of like probably the most you know, prominent part of, of what you're doing now with the pro bono is your, your your founding of Think Tenacity Academy. And and this is going to be my my kind of question leading into what we're here to discuss today is how did you first become aware of issues with regards to diversity, equity, inclusion, being a founder of something that is so important and it's, it's a buzz conversation right now. And I don't say that in a way that's condescending or even novelty, but for the first time, I think it's uh, with regards to um, ethnic minority business, taking a bit of a forefront is is a real conversation that is pushing to the forefront right now. How did how did you become part of, of this conversation? Well, I, I, let me. I, I just, it's 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 a story as are, as are many things. So, fifteen years ago, I found myself at a networking event in Liverpool Street, of all places, and whilst I was uh, standing there minding my own business as you do when you go networking because I was quite nervous about interrelating with anybody um uh, a young lady called Bella walks up to me and says I hear you're a marketing expert and I said yes I am a marketing expert she said well I'm looking for a marketing mentor and I said okay fair enough and uh and she said but I have a test for you she said did you know that uh Santa Claus wasn't originally red and I said yes it's interesting you should say that I said uh, yes he was originally green because of course uh, Santa Claus was uh, was a grand elf and elves wear green and it was only Coca-Cola that changed the color of uh, Santa Claus uh, using a piece of artwork from an artist in the late 18th century um, uh, and um, which they'd used as the thing and if you look at the Coca-Cola truck that Santa Claus piece of artwork is still on it yeah. And I said, and interesting enough, I've, I've included that in my book, I said, which I happen to have just published. And she said, right, you're my marketing mentor. Anyway, so therefore the die was cast. And so I started mentoring uh, Bella. We would meet probably ideally every couple of months for a couple of hours in, in, in a place called Club Quarters in Northumberland Avenue. And we, we would talk about this. And she was really strong in networking and a great presenter and uh, managed to link law firms in New York to law firms in, in London. And it was all, all going well. And then one day, about six years in, she turned up a bit late and she was a bit down. And she said, I'm really, really sorry. Um, I'm late, but I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. And I said, oh, okay, I don't, well, that's okay. Don't worry. You know, I've had a nice cup of coffee. What, uh, you know, nothing too serious. And she sort of paused and she went, well, she said, I have to tell you, I've got bipolar PTSD and childhood trauma. Mm. So I, I sort of looked at her and I went, oh, wow, as you do. Um, six years I've been working with her. I said, I, I'm, and I'm quite normally quite good at judging characters and people. It's been my job for, for all my career. I said, oh, how 
how come I've never noticed that before? And she said, well, she said, to be honest, she said, I, 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 you know, you wouldn't know because I only come and see you when I'm in my up phase. And if you know anything about bipolar, it has big ups and big downs. And um, I said, I just, wow. And I, I, was, I was really quite stunned, Carlos, to be honest. And so, so I said, well, why have you never told me before? And she said, well, we don't. I said, sorry. I said, what do you mean we don't? And she said, well, she said, she said, black people don't don't talk about mental health. I said, well, hold on. That's a bit of a sweeping generalization, isn't it? I, she said, no, 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 it's all it's all related to generational trauma. Um, I said, General, what's, what's generational trauma? She said, well, it all links back to to the slave days. And I said, well, no, stop, 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 stop. Hold on. So we we I asked her to part the mentoring session that day and said, OK, you're going to have to teach me about this I don't I have no idea what you're talking about she said well you know we've talked a lot about supporting black businesses and how they fail more often than white businesses and all that sort of thing and that's she said that because there's a there's a culture that we we you know black people don't ask for help and I said oh, okay hold on what's going on here she said okay it's really very simple she said if you're a slave and you don't know what you're doing and you admit that to the, the 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 slave master, they beat you. So we as a culture don't, we, we're very careful about how we ask for help and if we do at all, because we know, you know, there's this thing. I said, okay. She said, but if you've got a mental health condition, you are killed by the slave master because you're of no use to them. She said, so as a, a culture where I come from, she said, the, 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 um, we don't talk about mental health at home. We don't talk about it at the ch in the church. We don't talk about it in society. We simply, it is swept under the carpet. And I said, okay, you know, and I, by this stage, I'm completely thinking this, I hadn't even imagined this was going on. Anyway, so we, we carried on and I, you know, I was, I, I, I you know, I, and I said, okay, you, I, I need to learn about this. So I started learning mm -hmm. about black history and Windrush and all those sorts of things and I started to to educate myself on on, on whether any of this was true or, or whether it was was appropriate or or whether it was just her view or her her image and and actually what you discover is this is a real a real thing a real thing uh, and and we're sitting now on you know a second generation black community born in britain grown up as british two british parents born in britain you know there's the fact that there's still this latent generational trauma kicking through it just I, I don't know it somehow hurts me in some way I can't you know I, I just it doesn't seem fair and um and so we carried on working together and then about three years later Bella said to me you know what you've done for me is amazing I, I really would love other people to 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 benefit in the same way I'd like to start a community interest company um that that helps black business owners with, with mental health challenges we can blend the two things together we'll use your expertise in helping businesses go from startup to major corporates uh from a brand point of view i'll use my my my, my connections as well uh her speaking skills her story we managed to get her to, to i managed to get her to admit her story in public so she became the face of the samaritans and the face of the bipolar association so she is like comfortable that. sharing her story publicly well, she's now much more comfortable yes than she was obviously originally and uh, so in december 21 uh, we managed after a couple of years to, to put our 
get our act together and, and get registered as a as think tenacity academy as you mentioned earlier um and we are sort of a year in in into that journey um interesting enough we we, we um we had Christmas lunch just before last Christmas, and we were sat in a pizza place in on Marylebone Avenue, near 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 opposite the British Library. and And she said, she said, did you? She said something I have to tell you. She said, and by a man I've known her for fifteen. She said, she said, you know that my grandmother and my mother told me not to tell you about my mental health condition because. And I said, well, but but why? And she said because they said the white man will leave you and you won't have his support anymore. And I, again, I just think, you know, this is 15 years into a relationship and this is new news to me. Uh, now, bear in mind, you know, we, we, a lot has happened in the last year and we can touch on that, I'm sure. But, um, and I, I go, and what do they think now? And she said, no, they've completely turned around uh, and they, they have a different view of, of things. And I said, oh, that's really, really fascinating. So, it's relatively simple to get people to think differently and to look at things in a different way. So, uh, you know, something happened to me a year ago, uh, um, which which then made me feel that, you know, maybe there's a role for, you know, what we're touching on here. Maybe there's a role for me to, to I don't know, provide a bridge between those that do understand and those that don't understand and, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I think that really goes towards my kind of my next question. And thank you so much for sharing just, you know, that that is a remarkable story in so many ways. And I think I want to focus, I think, really kind of and what was happening to you in that process of becoming a bridge builder. You found yourself in an allyship space. Is this what you ever saw happening to you along? You've, you've spoken about your extensive history with how you've built you know, your life within the marketing space and in the business world, did you ever see yourself occupying the allyship space in the way that it's one thing to see or perceive ourselves as an ally? Yes, I support those that might not have the same privileges that I do or opportunities that I do or, or background that I have that has afforded me, you know, an unfair advantage as a start in life. But here you are finding yourself walking next to another individual who it's been a blessing I imagine to be able to walk and build things with did you ever see yourself as an ally before like what shifted for you was like this became something that you felt I needed to take up this this cause myself gosh I, so the answer is of, of course not no I mean I, you know at no point because um I didn't realize it was a thing you know, you know, you just you just work with 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 anybody and everybody, and that's I've been very very fortunate. I've launched over four hundred and fifty seven brands worldwide. They've got all sorts of uh, different people associated. I invested in a in a gay bank uh, many years ago when when and we launched in Gay Pride in Hackney Marshes. I mean, how far wow. has the gay community come since having to do it in Hackney Marshes? You know, uh, and 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 so so I'm and I I'm I'm. I really feel my energy is best spent when I'm supporting somebody uh, mm. or, or a concept which is going to make a difference, going to improve the quality of life of everybody. So I've never really thought about why allyship, but the tipping point to even get to this phrase, I mean, let's be quite clear about this. You know, it's it's a relatively new phrase in my world, 
Um, so I don't know whether it's a relatively new phrase, full stop, or whether, you know, as time moves on, hopefully for the better. It started when we, our first event at Think Tenacity was we were given a, a grant by Greenwich Council to run an event uh, for black people to talk about mental health. So strategically, what the what the, the the charity does is we run events to get black people into a room just talking about mental health because we think that's the start point, break break down the barriers. If they then happen to be in business and all that sort of thing, um, we, we, we can develop the relationship with them further. But let's get people into a room. And one of the things that you suddenly discover is that even if as a black person you you, you get to admit that you've got a mental health challenge, and bear in mind, these are horrible statistics in my on average, it takes a white person eight years to get treatment for a, a, a mental health condition. Eight years, right? For a black person, it's 20 years. Oh. Now, hold on. Okay, these are scary stats. Yeah. And that doesn't seem right, doesn't seem fair. And why is that? It's because even if you get to a point where you've broken from your community rules, you've overridden generational trauma, you've said, actually, I'm going to go and get some help. There are no black therapists. So you end up sitting with a white therapist. And of course, you're immediately put off because they, the, 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 the concept of, of, of what, what we're talking about isn't even doesn't resonate because they're probably very medical or very, very qualified. They probably don't see any difference. And, and yet there is because, you know, it's about understanding. So um, anyway, we're on the, the first event. Uh, we have found two black therapists to talk about, I think, depression and trauma, I think we had to talk mm. about. And there's 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 a good attendance record. It's all on Zoom. And Bella says to me, obviously, I want you, can you join? But please, can you not switch on your camera? And I sit there for a minute. I go, okay, yeah, kind of, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That makes sense. I won't switch on my camera. So I joined this, this Zoom call. We've set it all up, blah, blah, blah. Um, we we've got some really great help on 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 on, on the, the charity, and I'm sitting there, BW on a screen, blah blah. I'm just sitting there and I'm listening. Anyway, this thing kicks off, and they hammer white people. Oh my goodness, right? I mean that that it goes off straight away. I mean we've got wow people who've joined it. We've got people who were were one street away from Grenfell and saw people you know perish mm. and windows and things like that. so they, they're seriously in in a, in a difficult place and stuff like that but they are saying it's all down to you know the white culture and this and they're put upon and everything anyway this goes on solidly for two hours yeah uh, and we we get to about one hour 55 in into a two-hour session and Bella says uh oh, I've forgotten to introduce you to Barnaby now uh, in the spirit of what had gone on for uh, um, uh, two hours, I'm waving at my camera. I appreciate it's not on, right? <laughs> saying, no, 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 don't, don't introduce me. It's not going to be. Please you know, don't. Yeah. <laughs> please <laughs> don't. Anyway, so somebody then asked a question, which was, so I'm, I'm relieved of the need to switch mm. my camera. And with one minute to go, Bella says, oh, I've forgotten to introduce Bonnie. Bonnie, please switch on your camera. Co-founder of Think Tenacity. Uh, Academy CIC, blah, blah, can you switch camera? So I switch my camera on and I go, Did, I it, did a pin thinking. drop in the room? <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I just switched it on and I said, I know what you're all thinking. How could someone so old be so good looking? Oh, right. <laughs> I love that. All right. Oh, okay. Anyway, so everybody reacted exactly the same way as you've just done, right? Bear in mind, it has been a very intense thing. Yes. And then what ensued was something that 
I I hadn't even imagined would happen is then the the session got extended for about 20. A few people left on time, but a lot of people extended on and started to say, we are really grateful that uh, there is somebody who is white involved in what effectively is a, is a, is a black run uh, organization. We think that's really, really important. And I, so I asked a few questions. I said, is, is that really, is that true? Et cetera, et cetera. Are you just saying that? All that sort of thing. And they said, no, no, it genuinely is it because there seems to be this gap between uh, the, 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 perception of the black community and the perception of the white there seems to be a gap there doesn't seem to be any crossover and actually when on reflection over the last year i've looked at that in terms of women in business um you know the the the, the irish versus the northern irish versus the southern irish being jewish you know you suddenly realize that actually what we are very good as humans to, at doing is we, we we collaborate with our own we create these mini ecosystems these mini bubbles and we kind of entertain ourselves within that and we give ourselves confidence but actually it becomes completely isolationist and there's no way out of the bubble and then the bubble gets even more vigorous and more effervescent but actually it's still being ignored by the by society at large and so i, I suddenly and i think that was the first time i i heard the phrase um, white allyship, which I, meant nothing to me at the time, um, uh, because it seems to be quite, 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 quite. It's also a military term, isn't it? I think historically speaking, when we hear about allies, it yeah, you know, it's about when we even thinking about the second, the first world war, we were the allies to France or the allies Correct. here exactly. and there. And it's it's interesting that even as you say, like it's a modern term, but in principle, I understand kind of like the concept behind it and that is standing with supporting with others and I think for me I still struggle and again this is a language thing to kind of mill over because the the indication is that what we're engaging with with regards to these nuances within diversity inclusion those that are marginalized is that this is this is almost like a war zone and what a shame that that is <laughs> Yeah, and, and as positive as the idea of being an ally in terms of we see the concept of like we stand with, it's also like we are kind of illustrating that there is an environment about what kind of like frames the world of DEI in some way, and it it sounds a little bit more, um, what's the word, either confrontational or a little bit hostile than maybe I think we want it to be, but it it is an environment that is kind of has offshoots of these kinds of responses in between people trying to navigate how to move forward in a, in a space that, that unifies people. Yeah, no, I, 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 I absolutely agree. But I think the, the, I, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm well early in this, this journey. If I, if, even if I choose to carry on with it, I'm, I'm super early on it. Um, So I, I'm not sure my thinking's fully formed, but, but I think allyship is about, um, improving a society so it works better yeah. and and therefore it requires movement on both sides it's not it's not a one or other it's not it's not a it's not a you know i think everybody needs to move towards a common goal where where both parties are are are, are working together for a, a you know it's a one plus one equals three and yeah. Um, and I think I, I would love 
to to help more people understand that they can be a one plus one equals three that there's a way mm. of doing that and and, yeah. and perhaps allyship is the plus in the one plus one you know and the, and and therefore the outcome is a three i, I don't know i'm i'm thinking this through as as i, as I work it out i i'd love to to be part of a movement which just says you know what this world is so much better if we all find ways of getting on um and you know um and 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 enhancing each other so that we get more out of it um and yeah. and i think that's what for me allyship has to be about um mm. Um, as as a, as a concept, it's a combination. Now, the fact that it's it's called white allyship means that I'm placing the pressure on the white side of the white one instead of the black one. If that makes sense, you know. You know. I, I, yeah, I think you've said so many amazing things just in in your little kind of commentary there in response to my my prior question and, and statement about allyship and its place. Um, firstly, I love your your illustration about you know, it's the one plus one is supposed to equal three. I think we really underestimate the impact and power of influence that can be created yeah. just when there is a sense of unity between two different parties coming together to join forces yeah. for, you know, a really noble cause or a helpful cause, an important cause, like what you're saying. And secondly, I, I really respect that you said, like, I'm new to the journey and I don't have what it, like, everything, what it's, I don't think anybody does. And I think regardless of where we might be standing within the whole picture of what allyship means, because all of us are occupying intersectional spaces, it's not very linear. And we need to really get rid of that because that just continues to create boxes of people separating from each right. other. Yeah, but at some point, in some way or form, I have privileges or I have intersectionalities that allow me an opportunity to raise somebody else in a way that they may not be able to. And I rely on someone else to to, to behave like that and, and do that for me in whatever else I may be aspiring to. And I think your example there just really illustrates like we all have a part to play. I yes. don't, and, and recognizing what's my role. And, and I know you mentioned quite plainly, and I really respect that. It's like my role is to put pressure on the community that I represent who happen to look like me, have you know occupied spaces like me. I'll this is the part we play, not waiting for somebody else to come to me to begin to start to build that right. bridge. And right. that is something I think and concept, and I respect that you see that in your lane, that's what you're doing. But I feel none of us are exempted from really partaking of adopting and fostering that principle regardless of where we are so i really okay. love what you say there um and i think my, that that really kind of helps me out with my next question in terms of if someone and i'm hoping many people will come across this conversation that if someone was to look at you look at your example and they see that you may represent them and they don't know how to do that bridge thing they don't they haven't met someone along the way that came to them like you've had your experience with your co-founding partner um, and and that that mentorship relationship blossomed into something more because you were willing for it to to lean into that direction and it created like a new opportunity for you to walk in shoes of allyship. But for someone else that wants to but doesn't quite know how, how would you encourage them to kind of take those steps? Oh, I, uh, so again, I, I, I don't come from a place where I'm a holier than thou and I've kind of got the formula and all that sort of thing. So I, I think... And that's totally fine. We just want to know what would be your thoughts because like well, you said, we think... as far as what we know. So that's totally fine. So I, I, okay, so... so, so um, 
I think you've the the first thing you've got to be is you've got to be bold, um, and you you you've got to to identify your own personal purpose. Yeah, mm. you you've got to have a belief structure, and you've got to be bold, and you've got to stick to your belief structure. I, I think this isn't about following; this is about leading. So, therefore, you know, if you're a leader in a in a in an organization, um, or or you're just a, in a community or whatever, you've got to be bold and say, listen. I have seen a better place. Um, and, and then what you've got to do is you've got to, I think, certainly this has been true for me, is you must educate yourself. Yeah. This isn't, this. there is no room for opinion. Um, I think there's a, what you've really got to do is you've got to, to educate yourself and, and, and find out and listen. I think mm. then the second thing is educate yourself and then listen to see how well educated the person that you're 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 uh, working with, um, how educated they are, and um, and then I think the f- the final thing is particularly for well for actually all of us is you must own your privilege, um, because I I don't want to believe a society is full of people who are dog eat dog just doing it for themselves. I I genuinely believe that we 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 believe in family and we believe in society and we believe in village town life like that. We believe in our country, we believe in our religion. What doesn't matter whatever you believe in. Um and you're doing that at an altruistic community collaborative mm-hmm. way. So I I just I just but um inevitably there will be things that you know that you've learned that you've experienced that in combination makes you unique and that's that's your privilege that's what makes you unique it's not you know um nobody nobody um no egg gets to choose its sperm you know it's kind of it doesn't work that way and at no point do you you know uh and you don't choose where you're born, but you know, if you've been born in the West, you know, mm. um, the privileges of that are just mind boggling and you have to own that and recognize that, that, um, that's not, that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Mm. Um, and, and, um, so I, I think, I think it's that it's, it's, it's educate yourself, um, to have have a purpose be clear on your own purpose and 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 be bold and then mm. and then own your own uh, own your your privilege uh, mm. and and wear it with pride and and uh, but don't don't use it as an abuse tool you know it's, 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 and that's 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 the thing because the moment you do that or you assume you're better than any other people you're not better than anybody else you mm. you, you they they will know one thing that you don't know that makes them better than you in that instance so let's just <laughs> Let's just let's just make it that we're all kind of you know coming from the same place with the same and the thing that differentiates is our experiences and our knowledge and all that sort of thing. And I think if you if you use that lens to look at everybody and anybody, then what you'll see, I think what you then see, or this has been my experience, what you see is talent that's being held back for some reason or another. And then I think what you can do is 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 sponsor that talent and 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 cheat the system on their behalf, yeah, and and give them a lift up, 
yeah because you're in a different place if you can see that then give people a lift up and um um and i think if you do that sort of thing then surely surely the world has got to be a better place for you know and if you make a difference to one other person and they make a difference to one other person you know over time you know maybe maybe at some stage and, and I agree with that so much. I think we underestimate in terms of if I have the opportunity to raise someone else up because of the position I'm in. Yes. We don't really how massive an impact. And I think this goes back to your wonderful illustration of one plus one can equal three or three yes. million. Because yes. your 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 should I say ownership of your privilege and ownership of I also have responsibilities to be a gatekeeper to enable someone else. Yes. could really open the door that will benefit not just you, but possibly many others. And to feel that we might be someone who's a gatekeeper for great success for such a massive impact or someone that actually um, muffles that, that's that's quite a big thing to to contend with, isn't it? To consider Absolutely. Oh, well, it's exhausting. That. Listen, it Carl, is. it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? I would... I, I think I would never want to, and I think you're right in terms of I'm I'm I like you have got a lot of belief still in humanity, and we have a belief that life doesn't have to be doggy dog world. It doesn't have to be just about self. It does. We can be enriched when we are based on looking at creating a, an environment and a space that not only benefits us but generations after us, generations around us. Um, and I think there's a lot more people that are inclined to to believe that still. I'd like to hold on to that just like you. So I think we're aligned with that. But even outside of that, based on that principle, if we were to just allow ourselves to be that person or to be someone who is willingly choosing, I have power, therefore, to raise someone else up with the little that I can contribute or deposit into the light or open a door that nobody else can or invite them into the room where no one else might be handing out invitations to that particular community or that space. If I can do that and it has incredible results um, and impact, then do you know what? It's so worth it. And that could be one, one moment that could change so many things. Um, and I, and I love that, that that's kind of been the the presentation that you've shared with us today of your concept of allyship. And I think it's so, so encouraging. We're coming to a bit of the end of the conversation. It, I'm just so excited with all of the things that you've shared, so much to ponder on there. But I just wanted thoughts for yourself, someone who is, and I love just how much you've been so open and the humility has been really sincere and authentic in terms of you, you've alluded to this is an ongoing journey. And for someone at your stage, with the amount of education that you've already submitted yourself to to learn and absorb, you know, what are you what are your hopes as an individual about what DNI looks like, say within the next five years and then the next 10 years? What would you like to see come of this? Or even particularly coming of, of people joining, you know, from your community in this walk towards a better place? What are your hopes for that? Cool. You you ask some some hot questions, don't you? Um, I, I really I really try. So this is good to feel here that it's working. <laughs> okay, so I I guess my immediate reaction, I think it would be wonderful if the term DEI was never used again, right? Because, because it was not necessary, and it was very normal. <laughs> and, it was, and 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 actually, people didn't even think about it. They just go, I don't what why what you know. And, and to a certain extent, I look at the the what ha what's happened in the in the uh, in the gay community over over the last twenty years that that I you know 
which is when we started the bank again. Uh, um, you know, it, it, that I don't want to say it's it's not about normalization. So I don't want to use phrases like that. I want it to be about acceptance. Mm. And I want uh, so so first of all, I, I I I don't want. I'd love to imagine there's a world where that sort of phrasing isn't pertinent. It's not being used now. I also believe that's that to be true of women in 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 society and in business. Mm. I want them them to to be on a exactly the same footing as anybody else who has the same competency i have three daughters um i want a world where they can they can be who they want to be and they're not you know they don't discover they're being disadvantaged by yeah. less pay than their male colleagues and i just i can't get my head around any of that so i think that's that but i think there's a there's a there's i learned a phrase at school which which is called hybrid vigor i don't know if you've ever come to school but it's where i have you, not what okay, does that so mean it's, so, it's, so it's a genetic thing as i remember it and i don't remember much from school because it's so long ago <laughs> but it's where you you combine two two genomes and the outcome is a much stronger genome yeah mm. so it's hybrid vigor. um and I mean, the reason why I believe this, I have to tell the story. So so I, I'm obviously very white, middle class, middling. I grew up in the Cotswolds, blah, blah, blah. I went to a school, Chipping Camden Comprehensive. No no black people in there. But my first concert when I was 16, uh, my parents allowed me to go to a concert, was at the Leicester de Montford Hall and was the specials, madness and selector on one bill, right? And they were... And this was in nine, uh, uh, November 1979. I remember the date exactly. Um, uh, and it was a thing called two tone. Uh, and I had an out of body experience at that night. I mean, I, I just, I just, I just, I, there, there were both of my children, uh, Chelsea winning the uh, FA Cup for the first time. There, there are very few things that have happened to me in life <laughs> um, where, where, where I just and the the energy of this combination of black and white was just mind-boggling for me at the time and okay so i was open to influence i haven't been to any other concerts etc cetera, etc cetera. maybe if i'd end up at a heavy metal concert i'd have long hair and you know whatever you know whatever i don't know this is what happens but my brain was then wired to go i don't understand why there's any difference why 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 uh um skin color or those sorts of would, would make any difference. And of course it isn't as simple as that. And I think we oversimplify all of that. It's about culture. It's about generation. It's about all of these things. And of course, as you get older and wiser, you travel the world and, you know, I got engaged in Jamaica and, you know, all of those sorts of things, you know, it, it, you, you, you realize that where you're at is just no comparison to anybody else. doesn't matter who you are, mm. but actually that uniqueness is something you can bring together. So I'd love in 10 years time for, for, for human beings to just go, you're a human being, I'm a human being. Um, I have a horrible feeling that there are bigger issues than even this, which is which is climate change mm. uh, and and the way we are we are trashing the planet. And what will happen is um, the divisiveness of ninety percent of the wealth belongs to one percent of the of humanity and all that sort of thing. That will cause immense friction, and mm. and and there'll be kind of a sort of a, a civil war against s civil people. You know, it just be it could be mad, and all this will play into just some form there. of implosion. Because yeah, and, and actually, on... 
I guess what I would then hope is clearly not every human being is going to die out, but maybe a lot will, right? The ones that are left have no concept of what DEI stands for, what it was about, because they're just survivors. They're in it together. It doesn't matter where you come from or here. It's about working back together and building a society which every member of that society feels welcomed, honoured, um, valued, and See makes you. a contribution and all that sort of thing. You know what? You made me go all fluffy. And I have to say, I'm not a fluffy guy in any shape or form. And people who will see this go, he must have been taking something. What not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's such a privilege, though, because I think we need to, to hear the authentic, like, authentic kind of view of what people really desire, especially on really important things like this. I think it's really sad that that you feel like people assume that this is a fluffy moment. But actually, I think that's the heart of many people. And it will be more of that is actually needed for us to see some change. Because if we're not really, I think a lot of what you've described, these are heart issues. If I can connect with my fellow human being, yeah, we can resonate with each other. We will find more in common um, than seeing things that are that are kind of like separating us through that rather than our differences and even the, the risk space and the, like you said there's nuance there's culture and, and there's so much vibrancy and there wonderful is. things in that element we don't want to lose that but in terms of the things that create friction and divisiveness like if we can get to the place that we find that 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 kind of connection that is based on our humanity overall like we will probably be able to be a lot more effective at living much better lives that everybody can benefit from not just one group over another Barnaby, it's been such a pleasure having this conversation with you i have been blown away uh just by your your honesty i just want to thank you for your transparency and and for someone else who's on the the other side of of working towards what you know unity in humanity is kind of trying to move towards I, I just appreciate your story I really value your story and it's been such a privilege to have the opportunity to amplify that here with our connecting conversations it's been a pleasure you've taken me places I hadn't expected to go Carla so good on I'm very well. pleased to hear that that's wonderful <laughs> Barnaby thank you so much for joining us um if this is your first time joining us for connecting conversations make sure that you follow us on our YouTube channel and of course website and our social media platforms keep uh yourselves tuned more great conversations to come in some of our upcoming episodes thank you so much for your time Barnaby god bless Thank you.